Hey everybody, I'm Jeff. Good morning again. This, I love this. I, that was, you know, these guys, uh, that was not just like a little like school performance. Like that was awesome that they let us in worship. So give them another love for that. Appreciated that. It was kind of fun to see, see Jerry with his granddaughter and, and Paulina with her daughter. I mean, it's, that's sweet. Thank you guys for leading us in worship. It's good. Well, uh, I'm excited about our sermon series, this idea called Big Rocks, filling our lives, our spiritual life with the, the first things. That idea, Ben, I thought that was fantastic, that I, putting the rocks in there with the kids. This comes from a Stephen Covey uh, book. Stephen Covey's a, like a, a time management guru, author, and uh, he wrote a book called uh, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He wrote a book called First Things First. And in that book, First Things First, he uses this metaphor, this idea of a, sort of a staple of sort of productivity and, and time management. It's further for us, it's a bigger deal for us, but the idea is that uh, for that if he said, if you don't put the big rocks in the jar first, then all the other stuff isn't going to fit. They're not going to fit later. The big rocks, sorry, the big rocks aren't going to fit. That's the idea. Like if you don't put them in first, if you put in the jar, you fill it up with all the pebbles and then all the sand, like in other words, all the least important things are the le- not, not least necessary, but even but less important stuff. Then you go, all right, well, here's our big priorities. And you try to stick them in the jar. There's not going to be enough space. And so this is all about Making the main thing the main thing. Keeping the main thing the main thing. Say, keep the main thing the main thing. Okay, that's it. I just needed you to know that. And now we're good to go. And so we're going to talk about what's the main thing for our churches. What are some of the main things that we do not want to forget, that we want to run after? So here's some stuff that we're going to run after as a church, and we're going to ask you to run after. That's what we're going to be doing in the next few weeks. And so this one, this first big rock, is affection for God. Affection for God. That's the first one that we're calling it. We're going to run after a heart connection with God. I mean, a love relationship with God. We're going to run after that. We're going to run after a heart connection with God. Now, I, 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 want you to, I want you to think about that for a quick second. Go ahead and put that slide up there, that idea, the next slide, Kelly, for me. You go, gosh, we're going to run after a heart connection with God. One of the big rocks is affection for God. We're going to talk about loving God. You're like, what? Oh, that sounds like something Jeff would do. You know what? This isn't just about emotional people. In fact, this, was ben, this, this number one was Ben's idea. And ben, ben is more, you know, you think Ben's more in his head than his heart or what? Like, no, this is not about people who have emotions close to the skin. This is about, an, this is about a taught biblical principle that we actually give ourselves to the Lord and that's love for God. And so we're going to have a, this heart connection to God. All right, we realized after all these years working together that I'm the guy who cries all the time and Ben's the guy who's a super brainiac that he actually has a softer heart than mine, okay? And so this isn't actually my idea. This isn't Ben's idea. This is actually Jesus's idea. There's a passage in Mark chapter 12, just my, my sermon text for my short sermon this morning is from Mark 12. And it's a really famous passage where Jesus is interacting with some teachers of the law and they ask... One of the most salient questions, which is, all right, so what's the big rocks? What's the important thing here? So if you look at that text, one of those teachers of the law came and heard them debating. This is Mark chapter 12. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, out of all the commandments, 
which is the most important? So here's a teacher of the law going out of all the commandments. What's the biggest rock? Like, what do we start with? What are we going to need to run after here? And Jesus' answer is rather famous. He said, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. What he's going is, all right, this is the big thing. Like, basically, Jesus is like, all right, first of all, this is true. This is true, y'all. Throwback from two weeks ago. Well done. Show is. Yeah, this is true. So Jesus, all right, so this, this is it. The Lord our God is one. This is the God we're serving. And then Jesus goes, here's the, here's the big rock. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your strength. And the second commandment, gosh, that's just going to follow. That's just like it. You love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, this is Jesus's idea. When we start with, boy, there's some stuff we're going to run after as a church, and here's what we're going to call you to run after. We're going to go love God. The first thing we think of is, how do I love God? Like, what do I do do about that? That just sounds like somebody who's kind of emotionally based or whatever, like, that does that. No, this is Jesus's idea to say, we're going to go after with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength. We're going to learn to value the things of God. We're going to invest our hearts and minds in the truth about God more and more so that we understand who he is. This is what love is. And I love it that Jesus just laid it right out. He goes, oh, you want to know the first one? Love God. Well, man, doesn't it raise the question for you? Like, well, how do you? And I, and I thought about it last week in my sermon, like we finished the book of John And we finished in John chapter 21, and it was the passage of Peter being restored by Jesus. Why did he need to be restored? Because remember that Jesus, uh, Peter, had um, denied even knowing Jesus through his trial and and his rest and trial and crucifixion. He denied even knowing Jesus three times. And so then in the resurrection, Jesus comes to Peter, and you remember that the, the, the the whole conversation is, do you love me? Wow. I mean, this is important stuff. This big rock of heart connection to God. At the end of the journey, Jesus comes back to Peter and goes, well, yep. We know there's a lot in your past. We know there's a lot of weakness in you. We know a lot of, th- I know everything about you, but here's the question, do you love me? And then here's the second question, do you love me? And then here's the third question, do you love me? This is what, what Jesus' heart is in the whole thing. And what I wanted to remind us of last week was that question is not asked us to make us feel like, gosh, I guess not. Really, I don't have a lot of feeling. This is not about figuring out how to create an emotion, how to emote something. Like, right? And we say, hey, you need to love something more. You, you go, okay, here I go. Ready? Ready? Go, love. Like, what do you do? Like, how do you make that happen? You either do or you don't. Love but yet it's the most important commandment. At the end of Peter, at Jesus' time on earth, he goes, yeah, I got three questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Like, it's a big deal. So apparently we've got to figure out what it means. Well, listen, let's start by asking the question of anything that we've ever loved. So think of something that you've loved. What have you loved? That's a question for you. What have you loved? Think of a person. Think of something super shallow. Like, what have you loved? Like, you're like, oh, I'm all about it. Like, my heart goes to it. Not always just warm fuzzies, but... I love it, like I value it, like I give to it, like I invest in it. Think about something that you love. I mean, anything. Here's mine. Ready? I love lasagna, okay? It's a thing. I love traveling, especially to warm weather places. I love Linda. 
Good answer. I love Jesus, right? Like there's a whole bunch of things in there. I know, Danny, it's not in that order. I know, it's not in that order. So think about what you love, and then where does it go? Like the next, the next question is, how do you get there? How did you get there with those things that you love? How did you come to love anything that you love more? Well, it's not rocket science. It's, it's like a flywheel. It's like momentum gets going, and there's a circle of what I'm going to tell you about right now. This is how we love something more. It starts with, number one, it starts with telling yourself what's true. It starts with telling yourself what's true, like what's true about this. So, you know, here's my lasagna illustration, right? I'm down at Mulberry Street Pizza down at the bottom of the hill. Have you been to Mulberry Street Pizza? It's been there forever. It used to be in a different spot. People in Marin know about Mulberry Street Pizza. Our friend Ted used to own it. He doesn't own it anymore, but it's still got the same menu. It's a great restaurant. That's a free plug. And um, they're not open for lunch, but I would tell you to go there. But here's the deal. I'm there. We're with one of our, the servers that's a friend of ours named Don, who works there. And I'm like, I don't know what I want. I've had everything on the menu. It's so good, but I'm not sure what I want. And he goes, you never get the lasagna. You want the lasagna? And this is what I said. Yeah, I'm not a lasagna guy. Yeah, right. So that sentence came out of my mouth at some point, you know. I'm not a lasagna guy. And he goes, oh, oh no, like you, you need to try this lasagna. Like he's like it's, like, it's for real, like this lasagna. Like it is really good. And I'm like, you know what? I didn't want to hurt his feelings. I didn't really, I wasn't that hungry. I didn't have a high expectations. I tried the lasagna. Oh my gosh, you guys. <laughs> so guess what? I'm a lasagna guy. So... But here's the thing. How do you come to love something? You admit what's true. I admit it. I love pasta. I love red sauce. I love this incredible homemade spicy sausage that they put on other things, and they layered in this lasagna. It's hot, piping, Italian, basil cheesy goodness. It's unbelievable. I like everything in that. These are the facts. But the words that came out of mouth was, I'm not a lasagna guy. Oh, my gosh. I'm just telling lies about who I am. Like, there's no logic in that. How you begin to love something is you stop and you contemplate what's true about this. You see where we're going to go with this about how you would love God? I mean, the beginning of it is going, what's true here? Wow, this thing is incredibly beautiful and rich and valuable. And so we start with, all right, so what's true? Then two, you give yourself to experiencing the value of it. I'm like, um, you know that conversation? Where should we go? Let's go out to eat. I don't feel like cooking. Where do you want to go? I'm like, I'm a lasagna guy. That's where we're going. I'm going to lean into it. I was with Jazz the other night, right? Jazz, I'm like, dude, what do you need to order in this place? Lasagna. Like, I'm going to now go for it. I'm going to lean into it. And we're going to give ourselves to it to start experiencing the value. Look at those words. We're going to give ourselves. We're actually going to be intentional about leaning into this thing. And we're going to then begin to experience. Look at that word. And we're going to experience what? What does it say on my note there? We're going to experience the value of it. We're going to be like, oh, okay, there's, there's some, some return on investment here. Like, I'm going to start, that's going to start happening. That happened to me with my travel bug, you know. I, I started to realize what was true was I love traveling because I'm kind of a control freak. And I love traveling, especially internationally, and especially in the days before our phones worked and before the whole world spoke English. I just, I, I realized I loved traveling because it was such an adventure. 
because I wasn't in control anymore. It was so great for me to not know what was around the corner and to not know how to get out of a circumstance that I was going to run into where I got into trouble and to have to depend on people to rescue me and take care of me or whatever would happen traveling. I love travel. That's the truth, right? Well, so I'm going to lean into it then. I'm going to give myself to that experience in order to experience its value. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean into it, right? I'm going to start traveling a lot, right? Doesn't that make sense? And so what I did, by the way, is I got all the credit card bonus miles and started flying everywhere all over the place. I'll show you my spreadsheet. I have a system. I travel all over the world. Friends, do you know, I pay for zero plane tickets, and I go all over the world. I'll tell you how to work the system. You call them up and you go, you're going to give me how many miles for having this credit card for one year and it's going to be no cost for the first year? Okay, I'm just going to steal the miles from you, go to Europe for free, and then cancel the card. They're like, that's fine. I'm like, all right, great. But then you got to remember to cancel the card and then don't apply for a refinance. All right, so anyway... <laughs> so you're going to lean into this experience, right? So now you're going to start to experience the value. Well, then, then duh, no... No surprise here. Three, you're going to then start to receive the benefits of the blessings of it because you've now leaned into it. Now, this is the flywheel, you guys. Once you tell yourself what's true, you give yourself to it. Then you start experiencing the benefits, and now the thing just starts to take hold. You now, it now starts, you rehearse the truth again, and it's even more true to you now because it's proved itself valuable. And if it's more true to you now, then you give yourself to experience in it even more, and you have more of that experience, and then et cetera, et cetera, and it keeps going. This is what happens. This is what happens in a relationship with any human that you love. You're like, hmm, this is what's true. I find this about them attractive, and this about them attractive, and this about them compelling, and this about them interesting, and this about them intriguing. This is what's happening, and I'm going to give myself, invest into this relationship to start experiencing the value of walking with this person. You hear the relationship with God coming through here? And then as I experience walking with this person in relationship, I'm experiencing the benefits of what comes, especially walking with God, where there's peace and joy and transformation and healing and richness of life as it was designed to be. You're like, that's awesome. That's true and more true because I've been walking with him. And as it's more true, I'm going to give myself to it more. As I give myself to it more, I'm going to experience more blessings of it. And pretty soon, I'm a wild, crazy Jesus freak. Because I go, this is real, y'all. And I'm experiencing it. And so that's what love looks like. I value it. I honor it. I invest in it. I want more of it. And I desire a relationship with God. So this is the question. We're like, good, how do we experience this, this loving God more? We, that five, st three steps that are repeated is the flywheel. So this is, I think this is the kind of, this is why Jesus told stories like, and I wasn't going to preach on this, but Matthew 13, 44, write it down. You can go look at it later. It's a one verse parable. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found treasure in a field. Like he stumbled on a buried treasure. And when he found it, he realized its value. And so he buried it again. And then he went and held a garage sale and sold everything he had and bought that field. One verse. I'm like, that's it. That's how we come to love God more. We stumble on it. We go, this is true. We experience its benefits. And we keep going more and more with him. Well, 
So where do we go there? How do we pursue that as a church? Well, this is it. This is the rock. Our affection for God is rooted in our worship. Our affection for God, this heart relationship, this growing love for God, it's rooted in our worship life. That's what worship is about. Here's a one good definition, pretty good definition of worship, friends. It's rehearsing before God the truth of who he is and what he has done. And if we had time, we could walk through all five steps again, that it starts with rehearsing before God what is true, what's true about who he is, his character, his beauty, and what he's done, which is to provide a relationship with himself for us through what Christ did on the cross. When we rehearse that in worship, we rehearse what's true and we lean into living into that truth, we experience its benefits, and the cycle goes. And so this big rock is, we're going to have affection for God. How are we going to do it? We're going to worship together. We're going to keep rehearsing that truth. I think this is what was happening in that story with the woman who was uh, anointing Jesus' feet. I love it. I just, I, I barely have time, but I want her to just read the verse from Luke chapter 7. There's a woman in this town. Jesus was having dinner at a Pharisee's house. And there's a woman in the town who lived a sinful life. And she learned that Jesus was eating at the house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And she stood behind him as he reclined at the table at his feet, weeping, and she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. And of course, there's a long conversation about how the other altogether religious people would never be found, admitting their sin, their brokenness, their needs, showing their emotions, being that intimate with Jesus. Jesus is like, they're like, look at that woman, what's she doing? And Jesus is like, what are you doing? And then he goes on to summarize it. He goes, she knows who I am and what I've done, essentially, in this last verse. I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown, whoever has been forgiven little, he said to all the guys in the room, whoever's been forgiven little, whoever doesn't get it, whoever's not leaning into this, this truth, whoever's been forgiven little loves little. And then we always quote, we know what the implied antithesis then is, Right? But whoever has been forgiven much, what? Loves much. We, re we worship, we rehearse the truth about who he is and what he has done. So friends, that's what we're going to be about. Our affection for God is rooted in our worship. It's one of the big rocks. And our church is going to run after it. And we're going to encourage you to run after it. And so here's our part in this. Our part in this is that we are going to continue to provide for you and to lead you into authentic, heart-connecting type worship experiences where we rehearse the truth. We're going to keep leading you into that. We're going to keep saying, listen, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is who he is. This is what he's done. This is who he is. This is what he's done. And we'll keep leading us into that. Some, some people come to church for a while and they're like, yeah, all the songs started to sound alike and all the sermons sounded alike and all that. And I'm like, yep, because this is the big rock, friends. The first and greatest commandment is that we would love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're gonna worship him for who he is and what he's done. So that's gonna be our part and we'll keep leading you into it. So let me ask you for your part. If we're gonna run after that, will you run with us? Will you then? Will you make the choice to lean into that experience? to invest yourself to experience the presence of God so that your love for God would grow, 
so you'd experience the benefits of it. And in this particular case, in this worship gatherings that we have, will you come and rehearse the truth? In our time of music, will you sing songs that you don't totally maybe even believe yet? Will you be rehearsing the truth that God is good? You're not sure he's good. He doesn't feel good. He feels far away. Will you communicate your heart for him even as it's growing? Will you lean into it? As we share with one another, will we share our true stories of God meeting us? As we're in the word, will you come, listen, will you come awake? Will you come listening? Will you come and open your your device or your Bible or pull one out and get into the word and lean and invest yourself in the truth? Invest yourself in what you are coming to believe. So what's your part? Will you come and lean in? Will you never coast? Will you never coast in this? Will you never be passive when we bring the worship experience? Will you never just see it as a rote thing? Because this is not about religion. And what we do here is never to just provide you with some sort of a ritual for ritual's sake. What we do is provide liturgy to rehearse what's true, who he is and what he's done, that our hearts for him would grow in love. So will you join us in that, and will you lean in to every one of those experiences? The Lord's table is a perfect example, and we're going to lean into it now. Band, I'm going to have you guys come out and lead us, but I want to lead us to the, the table. It's a perfect example. For our part, what we're going to do, we're going to come to, the, to worship together, and we're going to rehearse these truths. It's part of the flywheel. Each time you take communion, it's more true, isn't it? Those of you that have been walking with God for a while, it's more valuable. It's more rich because of what you've come to believe more and more is true. And so we'll come and lead us in worship. We'll lead us to the table. And for your part, I'm hoping you'll engage. For your part, I'm hoping you won't miss it. For your part, I'm hoping you'll see it with fresh eyes every time. Oh, this is what is true. And this is what I don't want to miss. It's a liturgy the church practices. In fact, Apostle Paul led the Corinthian church in it in the first century. And he said, this is what I received of the Lord, I'm going to pass on to you. Here it is. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Okay, wait a minute. This feels like ritual to some of us. Some of you could say these words out loud. You could, you've, you've recognized, you've, you've memorized what the pastor says every time. And you're like, what kind of bread is that? Is that the one from the first gathering? There's all kinds of things in our heads. <laughs> Somebody going to get that eat afterward? Do they eat it like the priests do? You staying with me now? And he broke it. He said, this is my body. This is what I did for you on the cross. It's a symbol of that. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. What does that language mean? This this is the new covenant. You heard of the old covenant, the new covenant? This cup, it represents my blood, which is poured out on a cross, and it represents the new agreement we have. Here's the agreement. The agreement is, I will cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. There will be now no more condemnation for anyone who is in Christ, anyone who says yes to the gift of salvation on the cross. My blood covers their sin. 
and they're fully restored into a relationship with me. Come on, are you missing it? Are you getting it? He goes, so, took the bread. He said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. And then he said, do this as often as you drink it. Gather together, do this. Anybody remember the words? In remembrance. We rehearse what's true about who he is and what he has done. And he said, now when you do that in remembrance of me, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You remember he died for us until he comes back again and brings the kingdom in its fullness. You rehearse that this is the meaning of life month in and month out so you do not forget the biggest rock, (laughs) which is that we get to walk with God. Love him, church. Experience communion. I'm so sorry you have to take it with the little plastic pre-packaged COVID specials. We'll return to a common loaf and an experience of moving about the room as soon as we can. But anytime during this song, I want to invite you, even just breathe, Lord, I want to love you more prayers. As we sing, you open up the top, you take the bread. This is his body broken for you. You turn it over, you open up the top, you drink the cup. This is his blood poured out for you. This is what's true. And it's the beginning and the wind in our sails and the end of loving him. So let's worship and come to the table as the Lord leads you anytime during this song.